Welcome to the HR Sucks Podcast, where we'll get down to the good, the bad, and the crap of workplaces today. Who do we have today? You may have heard about air fryers the last couple of years, but this guy is the king of them. Today on our show, we have Zane Subani, CEO of Inc. 500 company Skyline Brands, better known as Aria Air Fryers. Zane, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So obviously, um, I am an Inc. Magazine troll, and I'm always looking at who's doing what, new concepts. I feel like I have probably a terrible case of FOMO. And I came across your article, and I reached out to you. And um, I'm curious, what led to that article what was how did that all of that come about um well ink has a uh, ink has been around for a long time as we all know and so they have they have a whole you know scouting process where they're sending people to do research whether it's online you know years before and um you know they have a specific formulation um to be to be on that uh to make that list you have to show a certain type of growth uh, over a three-year span. So they're doing their research well in advance of, of what you see today. So like you're seeing uh, 2020, uh, however, it was a three-year process to get there from 2016 to 2019 is what you're seeing in 2020. So, um, or 2020. So, um, so they're, and then they're looking at different industries, right? So tech, you know, fashion, apparel, um, and in our case, uh, homewares or housewares. So, um, there was various things that that caught their eyes that we were doing in terms of the innovation standpoint. Um, you know, when 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 their scouts go to stores and they're looking at brands and they're seeing what's out there, you know, they're like, oh, that's cool. There's an Aria air fryer at you know this this so and so store. Um, and then if you look at the back of the box, it says Skyline Brands, right? So, um, so so they they had people reach out and they're like, hey, you know, uh, we we see you have a compelling story. Would you like to share? You know, and and you know, so sometimes, you know, they have an audit process. So sometimes when they actually hear the story, um, then they decide how, how to like pull you in, in a different bucket. Like, so, you know, you saw certain spotlight stories on Inc. this year. Um, it wasn't, you know, if you, for example, they only had like five or six spotlight stories out of the 5,000 people that made the Inc. 5,000 list. Uh, and that the top 10% of that list is the Inc. 500 kind of like how fortune works right fortune is for public companies ink is for private companies so um so when they saw that um they're like hey we we you know and they and they actually interviewed me um just like you are and they did various interviews hours long uh so they can get the raw story of how we got to that point you know and, and in our case it was a it was a very long uh you know journey that encompassed you know millions of dollars of debt and you know all kinds of crazy things that you know i personally had to endure our team you know had to endure um so they wanted to share all that so there so if you look at the ink spotlight stories out of the five thousand they'll choose five you know and mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to be number one number two number three number four number five it's not the top five it's it's um you know whatever they feel is you know that will resonate the best and that'll be the most inspirational and they chose you know ours out of the 5000 they chose ours as 
one of the spotlight entrepreneurs and one of the spotlight companies. Um, and then after reviewing all the financials and all that stuff is, you know, and then they have this proprietary formula that they use to calculate the growth over a three year span. So, so that's kind of how yeah. we ended up in Wait, your picture is so serious. Did they, do they take those pictures or do you have to submit them? No. So that was really, that was a really cool thing too. So, <laughs> so that was really cool. So, so they're like, okay, so, you know, we want to do pictures. I was like, okay, I already have a bunch of pictures, you know, go on my, go on my Instagram or social media or whatever, and you can get a bunch of cool stuff, you know? So, um, uh, and so, so they're like, no, we do not want your stuff. We, <laughs> we want to send our own photographer to take your Funny. own pictures this specific way. And you have to do this, this, and this, and, and uh, whatever, um, which was fine. And so they're like, but they're like, they were really cool about it too, you know? So they were, they're like, hey, if you want to do any, you know, any type of scenery, and I love my city, Chicago, which is, which is, which is you know, where, where those pictures were from. So I'm like, yeah, I want Chicago's skyline to be part of it. That's kind of how I came up with the name Skyline originally is because I love the Chicago city skyline. So I'm like, I'm just going to call my company Skyline. Um, so I was like, I definitely want to encompass the city skyline and different parts of Chicago uh, within these pictures, you know, um, yeah. and they're, and they're not allowed to disclose whether they're going to use them. At this point, I had no idea what it's going to be used for um, or, or any of that stuff. They're just like, and so I, then here's how I found out that something was up. You know, I'm like, you know, there's 5,000 people that made this list or 5,000 companies. Are they, are they really doing this? with everyone, you know, they're sending 5,000 photographers out to 5,000 different people doing this. And so the guy, the photographer, I asked this to the photographer, you know? And so he's like, no, you're the only one, dude. You're the only one. Oh, that, how funny. <laughs> Look at you. What a special, not... what a special story. I know. I, I saw your, I saw your picture. And then, um, you know, after chatting with you and, and we made this, we scheduled this and, um, you were not shy to tell me like, um, yeah, you don't have a big following. I'm like, yes, I know jerk. Um, and, uh, and then you were like, can I just like be organic? And I was like, oh my gosh, this guy's going to be a total butthole, but that's okay. But anyway, speaking of buttholes, um, how many employees do you all have now? <laughs> was that a bad transition? That was a terrible transition. <laughs> no, I kind of like harsh transitions because, uh, believe it or not, <laughs> and you can check this on my social media, I am actually a DJ, like as a hobby on the side, like as a passion, you know? So Okay, so, DJ Zane. I see that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever you want to call me, you can. Um, <laughs> but it's all about transitions, right? So sometimes a smooth transition, which I'm sure you're more than capable of, uh, makes sense. But a harsh transition like a butthole or an asshole, no problem. I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> I don't want your employees to think that you think they're buttholes, though. So I, I'm just going to clear that up right now. But how big well, are I'm you the butthole, all? So, 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 we're, <laughs> so they know that we're referring to them. I'm the butthole. I'll take the responsibility. It's fine. Uh, but globally, we now have offices in Hong Kong, uh, Shenzhen, China. We have our, our main offices in, is in Chicago. Uh, we have three DCs uh, in the West Coast, in the East Coast. I think total now, globally, we're probably between 30 and 40. Okay. And, by next, and then by next year, it should double because of, you know, as we grow or whatever. So. Um, because you're like famous now, right? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> um, do, you, do you do the hiring yourself? So we have, so our process includes uh, uh, for hiring uh, is like whatever department is hiring um, for that specific role, 
the management or the manager or the supervisor of that department, you know, will do the initial process and they'll do the first interview, you know, uh, or even first two interviews if they want to do two interviews. And then that last interview uh, is with me and where I personally uh, will sit down with the person and have a little chat with them and, you know, just talk to them or whatever. Uh, and then after that, I can kind of decide that, yeah, this, 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 this definitely is, is, so I'll make the final call, but it's a, it's a process where our team is involved, you know? For sure. What are your favorite questions to ask applicants? One question that I always ask is, Hey, you know, tell me about some time that you failed horribly or, you know, uh, or give me a few examples of the times that it could be in school, it could be in a, in your personal life, it could be a in a relationship. If you'd like to talk about that, no problem. Uh, I'd be happy to tell you about some of the times that I failed, some of it that's already out there or whatever. Um, but, uh, and then how did you, or what did you do? What did you learn from it? How did you get out of it? How did you grow? How did you solve it if it was a big problem? Um, so tell me about that. You know, so like I'll get their experience and that usually, you know, uh, goes off into various different tangents and things like that, you know, so. Yeah, for sure. That's actually one of my favorite questions to ask. I don't tell them about my failures though, because why? Um, I need them to, <laughs> to make them feel like I'm, I want them to think I'm perfect. Um, but that's, that's one of, that's one oh. of the questions I ask. And, um, You'd be able to get away with being perfect a lot more than I can. So I have to like, <laughs> I can't get yeah. away with being perfect. Oh, oh, because you're just, because you're famous and your story's out there now. Yeah. And I'm like a nobody. Um, oh, but whatever. anyway. That story what? starts with $2 million in debt. <laughs> that story starts with $2 million in debt, which is associated with huge when you're, failures. Yeah, definitely not as big as a failure as you. That's for sure. That's a lot of money. Um, but Hey, look at you now, right? Like how many, how much money did Trump lose and look at him now? I mean, he became president. You could become exactly. president is basically, uh, what we're saying. Uh, let's get past the racial situation first <laughs> before, we, uh, before we start. Um, <laughs> uh, what, what do you feel has been the most challenging part of, of managing employees. And I preface this with, you know, there is one thing to start a business, right? And you're self-employed at first. And then it's another thing to have to learn how to manage a team. What's challenging about managing employees for you? Uh, it's always ch challenging because as you grow, you're going to get all different types of people right and so different types of personalities characters um diversity being a huge thing different cultures different backgrounds different genders all, all that stuff right it's always difficult uh to to get a balance you know and, and how to create a nice balance where all these personalities can mesh well you know and, and differences will come up you know how to put these differences aside for the greater good and and, and accomplish whatever tasks is on the table, you know, a small day-to-day -day task or a larger task at hand, you know, we have all types of, you know, issues and growing pains that we, we've dealt with over the years and we continue to. Um, so yeah, I think personal personality and person, personal issues and personal vendettas, um, to balance those as you grow is very, very, very difficult. One of my, I guess, philosophies are I know that there's this saying that you can't be liked and respected 
but I'm the opposite of that. I do believe you can be liked and be respected for the right reasons. I mean, liked for the right reasons as a leader, right? Not liked because you let people get away with everything. And I mean, that's not respected either. Um, do you believe that? Do you believe you can be liked and respected? A hundred percent. I agree with you 100%. And I also agree that it was not like that before. Um, you know, let's, let's say traditional, you know, uh, or conservative or very traditional way of thinking is, yeah, exactly what you said. You can't be liked and respected at the same time. However, it, like in our case, all our team members are partying together. Uh, you, you know, we're, we're, we're going out together. We're, we do drinks together. You know, we have all kinds of, we have personal friends together. We all have mutual friends at this point, you know, because we've, we've kind of grown together, right? From, from, from nothing basically, right? So the personal connection was always there, but with these same group of, you know, executive team of ours, you know, we're fighting day to day at the same time about various, you know, different issues in the company. And, you know, we have disagreements all the time and it's, you know, there's a lot of heated discussions and things like that. So, so being able to balance the two, and not letting that ruin your personal relationship with whoever. And I, at this point, like whatever happens naturally in our company, I'm not, I don't like, like step away or like, Oh shit, I can't have a personal relationship because this, this is a, you know, team member or, 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 or a guy that works in the warehouse. Hell no. I've, I used to work in the warehouse when I first started also taping boxes. And so I could tell you a really cool story about that, you know, where, where like last year, um, you know, I had to literally fire someone because in the warehouse, they're like, oh, they said, they said some remark, you know, uh, uh, to me saying, oh, what the hell do you know, man? You like, you're in the office sitting upstairs all day and I'm in the fucking warehouse, you know, taping boxes and whatever. I was like, oh, really? So how about this? You know, let's, <laughs> I'll come down, I'll come down. Here comes the butthole. <laughs> I'll come downstairs with you and let's both tape 10 boxes. You use the tape gun and I'll use my fucking hands. And I guarantee you that by the time you, you tape five, I'll tape 10 with my hands. And this mm -hmm. is in the warehouse. Mm -hmm. What happened? And, if I, and I taped 10 before he could tape five with a, with a tape gun because I've taped thousands and thousands of boxes by myself, unloaded containers by myself, you know, all kinds of shit when I first started or whatever, and, or even before I started where I used to work for other manufacturers to gain my experience. We, we started from the bottom. Um, we know exactly what, what the different departments and from, from bottom to top, what they've go through, what the pain that they're enduring, you know, all that stuff, we're aware of that. And it may not, it, it may not seem like that, but I think a true leader uh, you know, definitely makes themselves aware of, of all the different positions within the company and then the pain points of those positions, you know? No, I, I agree. And I'm guessing, I mean, I'm guessing that was a, a pet peeve of yours. What, what is, I, I mean, a trigger, right? When somebody says, you don't know what's going on here because you're not in this position that I'm in. Exactly. What are some other, yeah. What are some other pet peeves of yours? Right. Assumptions you know, people making incorrupt, incorrect uh, assumptions about me because of whatever I've, whatever decisions I've made in the past or whatever, uh, and then making incorrect assumptions about the company or any, any type of incorrect assumptions where they don't have significant, where they don't have any evidence 
or proof to back up their assumption, right? Uh, I'm okay with them making an assumption or anyone making an assumption, even if they have some type of evidence that could imply that assumption is not correct. That's okay. At least they did some research. At least they thought that this would make sense and that I can have a <clears throat> constructive conversation with them to explain to them no, unfortunately, or whatever, if I have a difference of opinion, right? However, blindly making assumptions, that's a, that's a pet peeve. Uh, another big one I can, I can say is, uh, is in the past, people, uh, team members of ours will act like they understand something. And even though, and even mm -hmm. if me or someone else uh, explains something to them, they'll act like they understand something. But however, when, when actually, you know, given the chance to apply it, clearly they don't understand it and they were just acting like they were understanding it because of whatever reason. So I've had multiple conversations with people like, dude, if you don't understand something, you know, that the person B didn't explain to you and you don't understand it, you can always ask me, you can always ask somebody else, you can go back to that person. There's no rule in the company that says, hey, if we explain something to you or if somebody explains something, you have to understand it the first time. You could take as long as you want and I'll, you know, we'll give you all the examples in the world, but don't act like you understand it and then, and then implement it the incorrect way because that's just going to hurt us. It's going to cost someone the money, whether, you're, whether it's related to a quotation that has to be sent to a client or uh, you know, various different issues that come up in pricing or you know, programs that we do with all these big retailers that you see Aria on. You know, it could be various different issues. You know, so. Yeah, I think too, something that I had to learn as a founder was in a lot of cases, everything sounds or looks great in my mind. Um, and then when I communicate it, I don't give enough details because in my mind, it's all, it already makes sense. And exactly. so I struggled at the beginning to, uh, to communicate my vision of what I wanted to happen, the expectations, how I wanted it to be done. And so I had to get better at providing details because I was really terrible at it at first. And so, and then this goes to show you that people are so different because I consider myself a pretty open person. You know, I have open dialogue, I'm very honest and transparent. And, and it's no matter what you do, there are just going to be people who are uncomfortable speaking up or asking more questions. And so they go to someone else asking questions and that person doesn't know. And then it's like, two infants <laughs> trying to communicate yes, and before yes. I know it things are just not done and so I had to learn how to provide more details which which was difficult for me because my personality shows I don't really care about details I just care about obtaining the result um, yes, but that was something yes. I had to learn and I'm sure something for you you had to figure out as well that everything makes sense to you in your head but communicating it is a whole nother story. Correct, correct. I cannot agree with you more. There's a saying, you know, there's a quote, it's, I think it's a proverb or whatever. Uh, I don't know, who, I don't even know who said it, but it's, it goes very simple. The magic lies within the details of everything. And so when you look at that, to your point, a concept that works in your head to understand something may not work for the other person meaning you might need to explain to them in a different way for them to grasp that concept. The details make all the difference in the world. And that doesn't just go to these conversations, right? And it goes to, in our case, our brand, you know, what we're doing with our product, the details that we define, details that we pay attention to now that 
we didn't maybe nine years ago or five years ago um, really gave us a way to innovate and that market distinguishment that sets us apart from all our competition or whatever is it's, it's those magic the magic was in the details you know and so i learned that the i hard completely way too, so. agree i completely agree and i wanted to i want to get a story from you mm -hmm. um especially because you have global offices and i know culture in each office is probably completely different oh I mean, my God. In, in the u.s we're litigious and we're kind of whiny as a culture um right. tell me the craziest employee story that you have culturally like from on the on the china side you want to know something like a cultural type of story there's so many crazy stories just anything <laughs> any story any crazy like story that it could be a bad hire it could be a mistake it could i mean anything that just really stands out as a lesson for you here's a time there that i was miserably wrong <laughs> And I made a really bad hiring decision uh, that I learned oh, in a, a very, yeah, and, and I, I do not care. I'm not going to mention the person's name uh, because that doesn't, that's not needed. Uh, however, the story is definitely a, a lesson that I'll never forget. And so, and so this is, this is for the role of uh, accounting. You know, so we, this was like uh, three, four years ago, you know, so uh, uh, this was an accounting role uh, and it was very like closed door. You don't really talk to many people, you know, it's just doing accounting, you know, calculations and QuickBooks and all the accounting software, inventory management, all that, all that shit that goes into the accounting world. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, I've learned all that myself. And, and obviously, you know, so, so that's a, that's a position that I don't trust anybody else to to make that decision to hire that position. I have to make, it's, it's, a, it's a very skills oriented position. And I wanted to make sure that whoever, whoever we brought in had the amazing skill that what, what, what I wanted. Right. And so I specifically took courses in QuickBooks when I first started the company, I took quick courses. And like, I, I never learned QuickBooks until I started our company. And I'm like, all right, fuck this. I got to take this QuickBooks class because I don't want, I don't, I don't just trust anyone. I can't just trust anybody to hire hire for quick, you know, for this position without learning it at least. So that way no one can pull a fast one on me. So, so I learned the entire accounting role myself and how to do our accounting and all that stuff, right? Inventory, man, I learned it all myself. Mm -hmm. I could not find anyone for years that was willing to work within the budget, you know, that was there for that position. And, they, and, and if I found someone that met that skill level, they, were, they would be asking for two, three times the salary that we could afford at that time, you know? Uh, however, so, so, and then the people that I, that were willing to work for that salary didn't have the qualification, like near even half the qualifications, meaning I'd have to hold that person's hand for like a year or two and train them and I didn't have time for that shit. So, so finally I met one person that had a ridiculous personality, horrible, horrible personality, however, was extremely talented and skillful. <laughs> I don't even... <laughs> I don't even want to know. I don't think, but I do want to know. Cause it was I just like want, a, before uh, you finish, I just want to say you're, the problem was you were too cheap before. Okay, I, before I, you bullshit, I was too cheap because I'm not, I'm just disclosing, not disclosing num, number, numbers. <laughs> but if I look at the, okay. If I look at the average uh, uh, pay for that position in uh -huh. the general world, we were at that level. Okay. So we were at the level of, 
the standard America, you know, pay in America. However, this was tailor made to our industry of manufacturing and distribution, which required a extra set of skill sets. For, yeah, was tailor Yeah, for that yeah. was tailor made to our industry, and that also encompassed with talking to clients, having the wit to talk to AR to get money in when the client's not paying, all kinds of shit that you don't even want to hear about, you know. So, so basically, there's a, a second secondary cell of a set of skill set that was required that often came from experience and not books. So, and that, in, that an example of that would be, you know, having the, you know, the, the, the charm, you know, to talk to them and not burn a bridge with the client, but at the same time being able to put pressure on how to collect money, right? That's a huge thing uh, in our industry, especially working with the retailers and all that stuff, right? So uh, I, I was like, guys, when this is me and my executive team, you know, before I, I, and we had this huge fight, you know, and, and they're like, yo, this person is not going to mesh well with us. We have such a unique culture and whatever, and we do whatever the hell we want. And, you know, we can come in whenever we want and we can leave whenever the hell we want. And we, you know, and every, all the shit gets done and whatever, whatever, please don't hire this person. I'm like, guys, this is the only person I can find, you know, that has the skill set with this position, you know, fucking don't talk to her if you don't want to it's fine whatever we got into this huge fight anyways i, I hired her okay that person mm -hmm. um so uh now over the course of a few months after hiring i could see all these all these interactions happening where it's tension is starting to be raised and she ended up being this you know horrible control freak or whatever the case is um and and sooner sooner than later she started controlling all the different departments in our company and you know that person started doing like a bunch of manipulation tactics and all those other team members started coming to me and all kinds of crazy shit started happening right and then eventually i sat that person down and i'm like hey dude what the hell you know you're doing this this and this however i'm getting this this and this complaints you know uh, what should we do? And, you know, like, I, I was like, I gave, I gave that person many chances to fix something, fix all these issues because, because the skill set was there. That person was incredibly smart and had all the, you know, like they didn't, they did a phenomenal job on, on the actual work and whatever, whatever. It's just everybody disliked that person. And that person obviously was aware of that. Right. And so I made another huge, another huge, huge mistake that I made was I was so blinded by the, by the skill set that I, that I fell in love with that I didn't even bother contact, contacting the previous employers of that, of that person. <laughs> I'm like, dude, what, what difference does it make? You know what I mean? Like that person knows what, what the hell she's doing. It's fine. You know what I mean? Like it's whatever. If, it, if they have a shitty personality, I'll deal with it. Just get the shit done and don't talk to anybody. It's fine. How wrong I was. So that person ended up leaving in a horrible way, filed all kinds of lawsuits against me demoralizing this and all kinds of you know all kinds of crazy shit you know wrongful termination all kinds of stuff because i didn't wrongfully terminate that person like i obviously did all the right things and whatever it ended up being a huge legal battle basically and you know after all said and done uh the lawsuit was settled and then that person left chicago and moved somewhere else mm -hmm. because of this issue and i'm it's crazy how it unfolded, but point being, the moral of the story is that personalities and, and making sure that your team is collaborative and can work together 
um, and ended up being a lot more, you know, valuable to me now versus, you know, it was before. And that story kind of helped me learn that the hard way, you know, so, um, no, so important. totally. Had you had probably a more in-depth recruiting process, Correct. like checking references, you probably, you wouldn't have made that hire most likely. And I think that's something that is Correct. very undervalued, um, in recruiting, especially for startups that are trying to scale really quickly. Um, they don't really take the time to understand what kind of person is going to do well and succeed in a company like ours. And, Correct. you know, yeah. there's, there's all of these steps that end up getting skipped because you're sold on maybe their personality or you're desperate or, you know, that's why we always tell people, to, you know, fall back on your process. Even if you feel really good about it, complete all yeah. the steps anyway. To your point, when I called those references, they all told me the exact same horror stories that we were experiencing. And so that kind of, you know, put it all together. And I was like, man, Zane, what the hell's wrong with you, man? You could have just done this background check before yourself, you know, because when I talked to these owners of these other companies, I was like, dude, just tell me straight up, order to order, what the hell is the problem? And then they just, they just said everything, you know, they're like, this is what happened, man. You know, better learning than never, you know, so at least I learned, so. Yep, at least you learned. I mean, that's a very expensive uh, story. Very expensive. But I'm, I'm sure, I, I always think that when a company has to go through that type of like lawsuit or litigation, mm -hmm. um, of course, we, my wish is that companies figure things out before that happens or before it gets there. But there's always one, you know, there's, I always, the more successful you are, I feel like the more lawsuits you end up in. <laughs> I probably dealt with like, I'd say at this point, I probably dealt with 10 lawsuits. That's 10 crazy. lawsuits I've probably dealt with. If I add up the value of those lawsuits, it's probably in like over $20 million in lawsuits. That's crazy. Patents, intellectual property, corporate lawsuits, all kinds of stuff. So because of that, we actually partnered with one of Chicago's largest law firms. And so because of, because of the, the good in fighting all these battles is we have an amazing legal partner that's one of the best firms in the nation that has 500 attorneys and, and they're a partner in our firm. For because sure. of all the intellectual properties that we're going to be filing down the road and you know all the costs that we're going to need to leverage and mitigate you're talking millions of dollars of legal you know work so so yeah you know, well there's there's a silver it. lining yeah. so. <laughs> with all of these issues i mean like you, you just mentioned. And I can become a lawyer too. I can become a lawyer at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I would probably pass the tests if I decided to do That's how well I know law. No. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's hilarious. What, I mean, with all of these hurdles and especially, I don't want to give away your story too much because I want people to, you yeah. know, go to inkmag.com and read it them, for themselves. But what is the number one thing you attribute to the success of your company? The one I can, I don't even have to think about that. The one thing that I would attribute uh, our success to is uh, our team um, that's been there forever. Um, majority of the, uh, uh, majority of the uh, team members that we have uh, have been in, in the company since we've started basically, you know, or at least five years, you know, so uh, throughout the ARIA journey, you know, so, um, uh, so that, and then, 
you know, my, my, my family and, and my friends and, you know, they, the people that, you know, the people that stood behind my side uh, when I was in, when I hit rock bottom, like it's hard to explain what it feels like to be $2 million in debt. When you hear every, you know, inspirational speaker and every entrepreneur and everybody that I looked up to saying, hey, make sure you don't get in debt. Make sure you don't get in debt. Make sure you don't get in debt. Here's how you prevent that. But nobody ever talks about what happens when you accumulate the debt and how to mentally and physically and emotionally cope with it and, and how to write it and how to get out of it and you know what to do and the strategies that are involved in recovering from something like that, right? That's all shit that I had to learn. After hitting rock bottom, being $2 million in debt, and that's when a lot of the people that I loved, they all told me to fuck off and they all left. When you hit that point, that's when you're gonna know who's truly behind your side. And those are the people that are with us today. And so, and so that process teaches you. And so if I were to attribute our success, it would be to, this, to our team that stood behind our side and my family and my friends and our investors and whoever's who, from that batch, whoever stood by our side is who we owe our success to. So. I love that. And it's interesting because I hear this over and over again. You know, I hear that it's our team, it's our team. And yet I still feel like there is a large percentage of, you know, founders or CEOs that haven't figured that out yet. They haven't, they haven't figured out that it is the team that, that, that truly makes a company successful. Um, And that was actually the, the premise behind starting this podcast. It was really more to communicate to current company leaders, how important having a team is and and how you should treat them. To me, they're your number one asset. You can always make better products and new products and you can always, I mean, even from your story being in, you know, $2 million in debt, you can find money. There's a lot of money to go get, you know, but the people are really hard to find. Correct. And it took us years to bring this combination of magic together, which is within our people, you know? And so like, over the years, even my way of doing business and my way of, you know, involving our team has evolved, has changed. And so like, you know, like every day I'm checking in with my team members, asking them, Hey, yo, do you need any help from me? What can I do? Can I be your assistant for today? Can I, can I help you with this? Like what specific tasks do you need help with? I can help you or whatever. And so basically after delegate, get basically after getting everything delegated to the appropriate teams, I'm now becoming the assistant with all these different teams asking them, Hey, you need help in the warehouse. I'll come down and tape some boxes with you. No problem. You know, you, Hey, you need help with some accounting. I learned that shit. Hey, creative. You need help with some Photoshop work. <laughs> You'd be surprised. I, I know accounting as well. I'm pretty, I'm pretty well versed in QuickBooks to be honest. Um, that come was on one over. of the things. Yeah. That, no, no, uh, you're too cheap. Um, <laughs> Um, anyway, hey, I'll it, give you some equity to make up for my. It's <laughs> you know I'll just take the equity. Um, it's so it's such a good feeling when, like my team, I really like them as people. Like I I enjoy yeah. talking to them. They, they probably find me to be a distraction because I'm always like popping into their G chat or texting them <laughs> or. Um, and I, and I want to, and same thing, I want to collaborate. I miss, because now we're remote, you know, I miss them. 
I miss collaborating with them and, and eating with them and doing those things. And so I'm always saying, what can I do? Do you need anything? Not all the time. because I'm usually pretty busy. Um, but from time to time, I'll just kind of pop in. And oh, I, I can recently... tell you an amazing story after <laughs> within regards to this. Before I, I don't even know how much time we have because and we can chill for a little bit longer. I don't I don't have to leave for a little bit longer. Um, but uh, what do you call it? Uh, yeah, on that note, I'll tell you an amazing story that you're gonna laugh. No, <laughs> but... for sure. I hired a. I recently hired um, a new COO, and I I got her from ring which was acquired by amazon the doorbell company yeah yeah i know and, the ceo of that i've met him before and um and she reported directly to him and mm -hmm. she's a blessing i mean I, I she made she changed the entire dynamic of the company and what i was able to focus on and and i'm so i'm i again i just feel like people should value their team a lot more and Correct. I know HR has this philosophy, like you can't be anybody's friend, but we're the opposite. You know, our whole philosophy with HR and integrating with employees and leadership is we're everyone's friend. Yes. You know, we want to be everyone's friend. We want everyone to trust, to trust us. That's the goal, right? I don't want, Definitely. I want to know what, what makes the, what makes an organization's employees tick. I want to know what makes them happy, what motivates them when they're sad. I'm, I don't know if it's, again, my really bad case of FOMO, um, but that's really, how, <laughs> that's really how we got to this, you know, is, is, is that companies, employees feel like we are part of the team um, and we yeah, don't yeah. isolate ourselves. But tell me your story. Let's hear it. So my, the, the reason why I even thought of the story is to your point as to, oh no, pandemic, now we have to work remotely and whatever, whatever. And, and we're the same way. We enjoy everyone's company. We enjoy working together and we enjoy the whole, you know, collaborative thing because we're all friends, you know? So, um, so COVID happened, supply chain shut down or whatever the case is. So uh, <laughs> let's rewind back. When COVID broke out in China, I was actually in China, okay? So, jeez. Oh, so, in actuality, the shit that you're hearing in China, uh, it, it's, it, it was a lot different than in the way it actually happened if you were there on the streets. Like, I was raised, I, I've actually lived in China. I've, I know the streets of China. I used to go pee in the alleys of China, like, like, like that, you know, like that. <laughs> That's gross. <Africa. laughs> <laughs> And so, terrible. I'm cutting that out. <laughs> oh, sure, you can cut it out. <laughs> but anyways, uh, um, but point being, uh, when the pandemic happened, this was like in November of last year, right? I was in China. I was like, holy shit, what's going on here, right? And so I had to get the hell out of China. But before I left, right, the whole mask thing already started in China, okay? So everyone was starting to wear masks and whatever, and PPE was starting to become booming and whatever. I'm like, okay, so what's going on here? Why is, all this, why is everyone wearing masks and the virus filtration, yada, yada, yada. Next to our China office was a factory that made masks. They manufactured masks, right? And so they're like, hey, and they were, they just, they were just friends of ours because we were neighbors. So they're like, hey, you guys got to get into this and whatever start selling masks because this COVID shit's going to hit America and it's going to hit the rest of the world. What are you guys going to do then? You guys will make PPE over there and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, what are you talking about? This shit ain't coming to America. Yeah, there's no way. 
So you brought it. I, I see where this is going. No, I was I was I I've not gotten diagnosed positive, and I get tested every week. So it's not me. So I was like, but I have to get the flights were already in the at the end of November. Flights were already getting canceled. You know, mm-hmm. so I was like, and so my flight to Chicago from from our city already had gotten canceled. But I went. I was I started talking to the airlines. I was like, just get the hell, just get me the hell out of China and get me back to America, then I'll figure it out. Once you get to America, it doesn't matter what state you're in, California, New York, I, we have friends everywhere, whatever. And, and so I ended up getting a flight by December, like early December, I ended up getting a flight back to California. And then I ended up being in California and spending New Year's in California. Now, so we, we told the PPE factory that, all right, we'll, come, we'll let you know, right? Lo and behold, after New Year's, first case arises in California. And so that was shocking. Um, mm-hmm. And so, and so, and so finally I made it back and now January, now, then everybody knows the story, right? Then uh, COVID cases started rising on February uh, on, on, and this was at the time called coronavirus, right? It wasn't called COVID-19, right? So on February, like, I think it was February 22nd or February 26th, one of those two dates, I can't remember, mm-hmm. but at that time there was like 60 or 80,000 cases in America. Okay. And on, the, on one of those dates, end of February, I was in, I just happened to be in our legal offices in the city. Um, and I was, we were watching the, the, you know, the, the coronavirus task force task force or whatever. Um, and that's the day on that instant. They're like, Hey, this thing is no longer going to be called coronavirus. They came up with the name, which you all know, what is it? Mm-hmm. COVID-19. On that instant, I went online and started registering all the COVID-19 to good domains, COVID-19.com, testcovid19.com, fightcovid19.com. Basically, I own all the COVID-19 domains. Uh, and so after, after that, we started tracking and seeing which, web, which domain was getting the most natural hits, right? And at that time, mm-hmm. every, and at that time everybody was trying to figure out how to fight or defend COVID-19. And so the vaccines aren't out yet, even till today, right? However, we, we, we tracked that Defend COVID-19 uh, was getting the most hit. And, def- and, and DefendCOVID19.com is a domain that we had registered that day. I had registered that day, you know? So we're like, all right, let's figure out a way to have our team, to your point, continue uh, <laughs> being in the office, being in the warehouse, we'll take all the precautions. We got all the PPE, but what do we do? Our air fryer supply chain has shut down. Our factories have shut down for until it gets better in China. This is again, February, March. What do we do? So at that time, the, our factory had close to 1 million uh, masks ready to go for us, close to 1 million masks. And if you go on defendcovid19.com, we used our mm-hmm. supply chain to give America free masks. Mm-hmm. So if, if today you go on defendcovid19.com and you can go on it after, our, after we're done, we figured out a way to embed all the shipping costs, all the costs so that all the product on the website is free and you're just paying a small amount of money for, to get the, the, the set of masks delivered to your doorstep in two days. So it's- I just tried to go on it. Defend and it tells COVID. me, and then it says, and it says a McAfee alert comes up. Whoa, well, are you sure you want to go there? No, no, no. That's because <laughs> you're putting in www. If you just go to defendcovid19.com. 
I didn't the, put www. But are you, are you searching it in? Lazy. Are you searching it in Google? Otherwise, I can flip my screen here and show you. I'm gonna accept the risk, and and then I'm gonna sue you. If, Feel free. Because you have such an amazing uh, lawyer team of lawyers. All right, I accepted it, and now it says COVID Defender. Yes, the so COVID Defender is our brand. Help reopen America safely. Uh, it's SSL certified, so the lock mm. is there. That's so awesome. You can see. So like CDC recommends cloth masks. However, cloth masks has no filter, must reuse the risk of carrying an infected mask, right? Because you can assume you have COVID every time you're going out in public with a mask. That's the whole point of this, right? Uh, you got to wash it after every use. You got to purchase it again if you, know, if, if, if you lose it versus our disposable shields. And you get a 20 pack for free. All you do is pay a $14 um, uh, one-time uh, ship cost and you'll get 20 masks delivered to your door. And that's probably the cheapest deal in America right now that will allow you to get delivery to your doorstep for 20 minutes. That's awesome. And so that's I, thought of, you, I thought it was going to be a story of how you like profited from all of it. Like on that no, show. Um, do you no, watch that show Billions? Give, yeah, I watched that what, show. <laughs> how he short stocks the aviation uh, companies, right? I, during 9-11, which is today. Isn't that we, something? We always talk about, uh, we all are big fans of Billions. So we always talk about Axelrod and how, how, how. Oh my I gosh. Kind of, <laughs> so, so before I started watching it, um, a couple of my investors and a friend of mine who's a big time investor had mentioned to me, hey, have you watched this show? You remind me of Wendy Rhodes. I'm like, I have to watch it. And so my boyfriend and I start watching it. And the first episode, she's like in a dominatrix outfit pissing on her husband <laughs> and, and okay he, pissing on our husband you may want to edit that instead of me peeing on the streets of china when, when i'm no, well, it's, it's not <laughs> that's my an show. everyday thing she like burns pee. him with a cigarette and pees on him and my boyfriend's <laughs> looking at me and i already had told him like oh they said i remind them of this character and so we're watching this show and he's looking at me like what the hell and i'm like oh my gosh oh my and so <laughs> And so I'm texting them like, what have you done? <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's awesome. That's crazy. Yeah, you would definitely make a good corporate therapist, which is what Wendy Rhodes is in Billions. You would definitely make a good corporate therapist. But uh, to, to the other point here, we actually lost money on this because I had a we calculated a little bit incorrectly. And so we were losing money on every order. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, to... <laughs> that's like your charitable donation then, right? Exactly. So this is like our contribution. So we wanted to have, so we could say, we could safely say like, hey, this is our like mass contribution to help America bounce back from the pandemic. At least you got a badass deal that will safely deliver masks to your doorstep for a cost that everyone can afford, which is at least it's free and it's only you're paying $14 for the express two day shipping you know, that's what the shipping cost would be anyways to ship a package to America in anywhere in America in two days, you know, more or less. So, so sure. yeah, you know, so. No, that's great. That's great. And, mm -hmm. you know, besides this, so where, this has been fun, by the way, you're not as much of um, a butthole I originally thought. I thought you were just going to be completely egregious about whatever you were going to say, but you're, you're not, you're no worse than I am. Um, where can uh, listeners find <laughs> work besides Ink Magazine? Where I'm can flattered. listeners find you, your company, and your products? Uh, okay, so you can, if you Google Aria Air Fryers, we're in all the major retail. So, like, 
you know, Amazon.com. Uh, some of our best, you know, top clients would be Amazon, Wayfair, Home Depot. They're, they're doing really well with us. Um, uh, uh, Bed Bath & Beyond. We just got into Best Buy. Next year we'll be in Costco. Uh, so you can basically find us in all the major retail. Uh, however, um, our actual direct-to-consumer website is ariaairfryer.com. So, you know, Instagram, ariaairfryer uh, for social media, uh, ariaairfryer.com. Uh, feel free to follow. Anyone wants to follow me, it's CEO Zane Sabani uh, on Instagram. Uh, and then uh, I'm launching a personal brand and also a website, zanesabani.com. Um, that'll probably happen you know, in, a, in a month or two. Um, <clears throat> and then skylinebrands.com will be a host down the road in a couple months or so. Uh, that will host all our projects and brands, Aria Air Fryer being the most, you know, uh, the largest one. And then we're launching a bunch of other brands this year as well. So all these, in combination of all this, you can kind of, you know, follow our stories and, you know, and, and, and feel free to reach out anytime you guys want. And if anyone wants to talk to me, most welcome. So, Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. I'm sure we'll do this again eventually down the road anytime. For sure, for sure. Well, I just got an email from Inc. 5000, a conference or something like that, of course. Um, division conference. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you everybody for listening. And you can find us on Instagram at HR Sucks. We do post HR quickies every Thursday and we post um, new podcasts every Friday. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a beat. HR sucks, we know. But being $2 million in debt sucks even more. 